Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. My name is Zach Brittle. Here with Laura Heck. This is Last Call. If you're interested in the workshop that we have on uh, February 9th and 10th, uh, it's a great Valentine's Day gift, but you need to register yesterday, basically. If you're interested in doing that, go ahead and stop the podcast right now. Go to marriagetherapyradio.com, click on the workshop box, and uh, you can go ahead and register. There's still time. We'll get your materials out to you, and we'll see you Friday night. If that's not your jam, there's all, all kinds of ways that you can stay connected. Don't forget that you can get a discount off the Escapely escape room boxes if you live in a major city. That's escapely.com. You can go use code MTR20, I think it is. The next uh, handful of episodes will be us talking to different folks, uh, focusing on different areas of expertise. We've got a conversation coming up around ADHD, which I know is on a lot of people's minds. A couple of new folks who are pioneering work today in couples therapy and folks who have been around forever. Uh, It's going to be a good time. I'm really looking forward to learning a lot. I think you will too. For now, Laura and I are talking about marital collusion. What does it mean to collude with one another in a relationship, which we do sometimes passively, sometimes actively and how we can do it mainly more effectively. This is a very cool conversation. Stick around. So why do you think you're not in a great mood? Uh, I, I, um, it's actually really practical. I took my car in to get it serviced this morning, and I got there. Yeah. They're like, oh, we don't work on these kinds of cars. And it was all about what the dealer told me when I bought it. You take it to any one of these locations, and you get it serviced. And then I... yeah. I, I didn't go to my usual place because I went to their place. And then when I got right. to their place, they were like, oh, we don't do that here. And I was like, I don't understand. This seems like mm-hmm. a simple, simple, simple thing mm-hmm. to tell people where to go. So now I'm like mad and I want to like, you know, have a referendum on communication, that sort of thing. And um, uh, anyway. If that was to happen, I would feel like it was a personal attack on me for like that my time wasn't worthy enough or that I wasn't worthy or just I would get so pissed off that people were taking advantage of my time that I wasn't important enough to have the right information and whatever. I don't yeah. know. It would it runs deep. Um huh. So uh, I'm just annoyed because I planned yeah. it I planned my whole day around doing this with my car. And yeah. now this I is can't. your first this is your fancy boy car. It's my new car, yeah. Yeah. Newish car. And Do you know, we're taking our car back. We are downsizing. So we had a lease on, um, well, now you'll know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys know we're fancy pants people and we spend a lot of money on nice things. But we have a BMW that we leased for three years and we're taking it back to the dealership and downsizing. So I will be driving the Sprinter van. <laughs> and it is a long Sprinter van, but that will be my daily driver from here on out because I like to minimize. And and forever so we'll just have the truck you're turning your sprinter van into your daily car yeah well we need two vehicles because we both need a vehicle here in bend but um we're just gonna have we had our car and our truck and then the sprinter van was the recreational vehicle and we're turning the lease in and selling the 
the BMW back and we're going to just be driving the truck and the Sprinter van. Okay. How does that sound? That sounds like a little bit of like a, I mean, I'm, I'm downsizing. Yeah. My husband I mean, does not like it. you're downsizing you're getting bigger in yeah. the car that you drive. I know. I know. He doesn't like it, but that's okay. Um, what else is going on? I wanted to give an update because we had a couple of listeners that had asked, you know, how's Holden doing? Because I've talked, I've been really open with everything that's going on with my son. If this is your first time catching up, I'll tell you what's going on. So it's been, I don't know, maybe about nine months. And my son, we just happened upon um, tumors in his brain because we we went to just get like a routine. He had a bump on the back of his head. We thought maybe it was just fluid filled. His pediatrician was not concerned about it. So we went and we had an MRI done just to kind of see because we were like, well, let's get the bump removed. And while we were getting an MRI on this bump on the back of his head, they discovered tumors in his brain. And with the tumors in his brain, they're bilateral. So they are both um, attached to the nerves on either side of his ear, in addition to a couple of other tumors that are in there. So it was obviously a huge shock. Um, if you go back and listen, you'll hear lots of tears and processing <laughs> in the last nine months. But what happened from that point was that we discovered he has a diagnosis of NF2. Um, and I'm going to botch it, but uh, yeah, I'm going to botch it. I'll just call it NF2. But basically, it's a genetic disorder where non-cancerous tumors form along the nervous system. So he has tumors in his brain and along his spine. And we started him on immunotherapy, and he's been doing immunotherapy for the last three months. So we had a baseline MRI done. Um, looking at the number and the size of the tumors as well as the hearing loss because these tumors are on his nerves and his ears. And most people with NF2, I, I think all of them actually, end up going deaf at some point in their life. So we're tracking all of that. And the news, the update is that he has stability, which is the best thing that we could look for. We don't anticipate, um, but we hope that these tumors will will reduce in size, but stability is fantastic. means that there's no further growth, there's no new tumors, and then also his um, audi audi audiogram, audiogram showed that he has no further hearing loss in his right ear and his left ear is fantastic. So this is something to celebrate. And I just wanted to give you an update because you had been so kind to ask what's going on with Holden. So yeah. thank you for your prayers because I know many of you. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah, it was really great. So that was my long-winded update on Hootie. Um, and this is my way of also saying that I would love for you to donate because we are raising money um, for research. It's a really rare disease. So on our website, if you go to Marriage Therapy Radio, you can donate $5, you can donate $500, whatever your resources. But <laughs> I'm raising money this year specifically um, for research. Okay, that's my that's my spiel. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. What else is happening in your life? Um, I went away this weekend. I went away this last weekend to to the East Coast to visit some friends. I did I've, not I was with know Matt that. Kane, who you'll remember did um, our finances episode. He did an episode with us. So. Yeah, he was a cool guy. And um, that was fun. I got a day, like a day and a half with him, and then took a train down and uh, visited another friend of mine in D.C. So I was I flew into Philadelphia, then I took the train down to D.C. and I flew out of D.C. home. Uh -huh. and it was like I don't know four days total. And it was like really fun, and it it like it didn't it didn't cost that much. It cost plenty, like it cost an air airfare, but right. The this the return on investment was really really high. Yeah, like I got really good time with really good friends, uh, old friends that I've known for like thirty mm -hmm. years, and uh, it was it was funny. It was with one of them, 
my best girlfriend, her name is, uh, doesn't matter what her name is, but, um, cause I'm gonna talk about her on the, on the internet, but she, I was at her house and she and her husband got in a, like a fight mm-hmm. it was, um, while you were at the house. Like, what? I mean, literally like she was washing dishes. I was sitting at the counter watching her wash dishes and he was behind me Uh huh. and they got into a and little, you were literally in the middle of the fight. I was literally <laughs> in the middle of their fight. I love it. Oh, I would shrink and, so um, hard. I well, I just sat there and I was like, <laughs> I'm just trying to be be quiet. But you know, I asked her about it the next morning. I said, "Was that a fight?" You know, and she said, "Well, what do you mean?" And I told her what I experienced. And you know what it was? It was really, really skilled. It was like really, it was a really artfully done fight. As though like, if I was their therapist, I would have told them to do exactly what they did. Uh-huh. And it was wild to kind of be, I don't know, sort of case studying my own perspective, like having like a, like a, I don't know, like a meta experience of my own experience of watching someone else mm-hmm. argue, but doing it in a really well, like a really fine way. And they did, uh, like, what did they do? They did two things that I thought were like really, really important that I think I've been beating this drum forever. But the number one was they had, uh, they, they deescalated like, mm-hmm. and it was skillfully done how they did it. Like little breaths or little like pauses or little, um, you know, I'm going to walk out of the room and then walk back into the room. And they stood next to each other and it was, you know, it wasn't aggressive. It wasn't aggressive or violent or problematic. It wasn't even a big deal. Literally was about the dishwasher. Like, you know how we make fun of people arguing about the dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Don't put my pans in the dishwasher. And, um, and then, uh, so they were, they were really good about deescalating. And then with regard to repair, it was both of them. And he actually did it first, which was, I, I don't know. I was just making something up. Like, I don't even know if I really know what I'm talking about. I was just making it up. And she was like, well, I'm making it up too. And um, mm. and then they managed to somehow get through the next piece of the puzzle, which mm-hmm. was whatever the next thing we were doing, eating dessert or something. But it really beat the drum for me. Like, that's the thing. It's de-escalate and repair, de-escalate and repair, de-escalate and repair. I mean, that's the piece that's really critical when it comes to, I think, like doing artful or skillful conflict. Yeah. And- and then she told me the next day, she goes, and we'll talk about it later. Like, we'll we'll come back tonight when we're together and mm-hmm. you guys are gone. Like, you guys was me and their college-age daughter who was there. Like, we'll sit down and we'll debrief that. And and, and it seemed like that, even that commitment to going back and figuring out, like, yeah. oh, what happened there mm-hmm. was, I don't know. It, was all, I, I, it just felt, like, super cool to watch and to kind of literally be, like, in a laboratory. Yeah. I felt maybe, like... um like I was like uh, doing John's experiment, you know, yeah. where the cameras were on the wall. and the- Totally. Yeah, you're in a different role than you normally are. You get to just observe. I, I would love to be able to observe the couples in my life to see what they really do when they're frustrated with each other because I only hear one version of it, you know, from a girlfriend, mm-hmm. but I never actually get to see the people in my life do conflict. Um. I, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about they probably knew how skilled they were at doing conflict, which is why they allowed you in on the conflict. Because I, I think that I see a lot of people try and nip conflict in the bud because yeah. they don't, they don't know how it's going to end, and that's the scary part. It's like we don't do conflict; we avoid conflict uh, because we can't handle it. We can't manage our own emotions. We don't know how it's going to end. But if you know the end of the script and the end of the script is at some point, we're going to deescalate at some point, someone's going to give in at some point, we're going to apologize, acknowledge, whatever. And then we're going to circle back. 
then I then they probably have no problem at all letting other people yeah. get, you know, a free show to the I think there's that. I think the they're also like just how safe of a personality I am in their in their life like yeah. that mattered too. But you're not wrong. I think if you agree as a couple that we know what the end of this is. Yeah. And this is why I always talk about how like the the, the best result of a conflict is makeup sex. Yeah. Like if we agree that we're gonna get to intimacy, yeah, then you can kind of hang in there a little bit longer. You yeah. Know? I mean, there's a there's a there's a there's a goal of feeling more connected. And mm-hmm. sometimes you have to sort out differences. I mean, I think they were talking about whether or not you should put knives blade down or blade up in the dishwasher. And there's wow. there's there's an argument for both. Um sure. but these were only butter knives, so it doesn't really matter. You're not gonna stab yourself on a butter knife. I mean, it was like so bizarre. <laughs> like just but um uh I don't know. In terms of like what was on my mind, I kind of wanted to reflect that and mm-hmm. give people a vision for like what does it mean to like to to let a little thing stay a little thing, right? You know, yeah. Versus a little thing become a big thing, right? Well, it's de-escalate and repair. It's de-escalate and repair and de-escalate yeah. and repair. Yeah. Hey gang, if you're paying attention, you'll know that I remain committed to my motto that February is the new January. And if you're still looking for a way to lean into new resolutions, particularly around staying connected. I want to recommend the Paired app. Rebecca and I use this app pretty regularly. We get uh, quizzes and games that play, and then there's always a cool question that comes up that can be a conversation starter for us that we're usually pretty interested in. You and your partner download the app and you pair together every day. That's why it's called Paired, P-A-I-R-E-D. Right now, Rebecca and I are in the middle of a like a question pack. So we get a new question every day. Right now, we're working on a pack called How Are You Really Feeling? And we're diving into different emotions about different things, uh, creating new language around parenting or around uh, free time or around work-life balance and really kind of peeling layers back. These question packs are pretty cool too. You can, there's one on rebuilding trust. There's one on changes since parenthood. There's 10 questions for new couples. Um, There's really no shortage of how this might apply to you. I think I saw one recently, which I'm glad we're past, but it's the baby name pack. Again, I'm a professional. My job is to stay connected and relationally attuned. I do that way better in my office than I do at home. And Paired has really helped me out a lot. So whether you're just a few dates in or if you've been together for a very long time, why don't you go ahead and lighten the mood and have fun with your partner by using Paired. So I want you to head to paired.com slash MTR, the website. Don't do it on your phone or else we don't get credit. But if you go, you'll get a seven-day free trial and 25% off if you sign in for a subscription. Just head to paired.com slash MTR, P-A-I-R-E-D.com slash MTR to sign up today. Connect with your partner every day using Paired. A happier relationship starts here. I have so many different, like, small things that I've been thinking about in relationships. Like, actually, you know, I didn't even mention this, but one thing that has been coming up a lot is I've seen it in my personal life. I have seen it with clients recently um, where one partner may be not doing so hot or may not be tending to their own mental health. And over time, they've sort of slid into the new norm. And so I'll just kind of give a little bit of an example of uh, maybe you you struggle with depression and you haven't really treated the depression. Maybe you just it just sort of shows up and then you kind of cope with whatever skills you have at the moment. But over time, your depression has gotten higher and your coping skills might be I just don't leave the house anymore or I sleep in until noon or I drink three glasses of wine. And see, so the coping skills continue to get bigger and bigger. 
and it becomes the new norm. And over time in the relationship, you don't even recognize the person, but your partner has been just kind of allowing that your these new coping skills to become the norm. So an example might be we got married. I recognized that there was some depression. We talked about it as a couple, but we didn't really deal with it. Now it's 15 years later and you stopped working. You're no longer working a job. You drink a bottle of wine a night uh, and you've put on 50 pounds because you're no longer <laughs> working out and doing the things that you love. So the end result is if we're not managing and paying attention to some of this like individual stuff and you're in this partnership that allows for that slide to occur and it becomes the new norm. I just, I was thinking about how almost toxic relationships can be if we allow the slide and that norm to occur. Um, because you might not allow that to happen if you were a single person. So I, I can right. kind of see how relationships can hold you accountable for being the best version of you. But also relationships can also lock you into a normalcy that just continues to deepen over time. So hopefully this is making sense. But I'm seeing it a lot in, in my um, practice where you can be an agent of change as a partner or you can lock your partner in to a slide that's unhealthy. And that's, that's kind of an interesting thing that I wanted to bat around with you. I, I'm trying to wrap my head around what you're saying. Like, yeah. It's almost like you're talking about like the sunk cost fallacy where because I'm in this relationship and we have a kid or we have a mortgage or we have, you know, seven years already, I'm going to ignore or forgive or not, you know, sort of not prioritize negative interaction or negative change or, or any change really, you know, whereas I think you're talking about if I don't have this stuff, I can just bail. I can just be like, well, I'm not putting up with that. I'm going to... Mm. I'm going to go. I don't know if that's exactly what you're you know, describing. But. It's, that is interesting because I have asked people, what keeps you in this relationship if you're so miserable, right? Like, mm -hmm. let's just say I'm in this relationship with someone and they're depressed and all of the things that I just talked about, right? Like they lost their job. They've put on a lot of weight. Yeah. They are miserable. They're sleeping, all of these things. Why are you still in this relationship? And it's because of all of the things that they've created together. It's the kids, it's the house, it's I'm not yeah. willing to give up on this person, this relationship, because we are so invested in other areas. Um, that's one. But, you know, I was, I want to go back to this idea of in the relationship, you can be an agent for change, which is statistically why men are actually healthier as married men, because you have a partner who is reinforcing, saying things like, hey, maybe it's time for you to go to the dentist. Maybe it's time for you to check that mole out on your back. So statistically, men are healthier when they're married because they have that agent of change, you know, that person that's like reinforcing. But also oh. the opposite can happen where you're coping the best way you know how with something internal. And your partner is also kind of colluding with those coping skills and it's deepening you in that, that yeah. stuckness. That's what I'm talking about. You can go one of two ways, right? I think I hear what you're saying. Like, um, I, in fact, I started thinking almost exactly about something that happened to me yesterday, which was I was sitting and I was just sitting there minding my own business. My wife comes out of the bathroom, Brett comes out of the bathroom and she says, I think you need to go to the dentist. Did she really say like, that? What? She really did. Is that why you smiled when I gave the dentist yeah, that, example? Because yes. you got funky breath or what? I was like, what? what is Laura talking about? And I was like, she's talking about this. <laughs> and 
and I had to make a choice, right? Rebecca was just like, and I was like, well, uh, okay. She's like, well, you haven't been in a really long time, like a really <laughs> long time. <laughs> and I was like, how do you know? She's like, because I know when your dentist retired and I know because he goes to our church. Yeah, yeah. And I know that you haven't found a new one. And uh, we have a buddy who just like, not just became a dentist, who's but who is a dentist. Mm -hmm. But I had to make a choice, right? Is this woman trying to control me? And like, she's saying something nasty about my mouth or right. is she trying to like actually help me be healthier? Yeah. You know, and she probably had to make a choice about whether or not to note something that was observable and important um, to her or just sort of participate in me not not going to the dentist. Yeah. You know? And I'm still doing my whole flossing jam. So yeah, I, I you feel have like great I got my hygiene. pink tooth king under control. Mm -hmm. But she has to she had to make a choice and I had to make a choice. And it sounds like, you know, as she's standing there in the kitchen, or I guess if she was in the bathroom thinking about whether or not to open her mouth, she's making mm -hmm. this decision that you're describing, which yeah. is does she collude in my right. sort of passive drift away from let's call it dental hygiene? Yeah. Or does she offer me the gift of being my like accountability partner or mm -hmm. my encourager in in that space. And um, you're seeing that come up in your practice more. I'm, I am. And what I'm seeing is like the 15 year uh, accumulation of missed opportunities, missed conversations uh. that becomes the new norm. Like it's really easy. And I, huh. I said this to my running buddy. I said, wow, you're, you are really fit right now. And he goes, really? And I said, well, I haven't seen you for three months. Like it's, I, you know, when you allow time to go, uh -huh. it can be pretty drastic. And there's a slow grind that can occur when we are building in these maladaptive coping mechanisms that seem normal. But if you were to take a step back and rewind 15 years and you're like, it's not normal to drink a bottle of wine every night, Yeah, but it has yeah. become your norm. And um, so I'm just, I think part of me is just asking our listeners, are you colluding with your partner's maladaptive coping mechanisms because it's become the new norm? Well, or, that's called enabling, right? Like It is, but I, I, the, I'm really specifically not using that word enabling because I think it is a misused, over-treated huh. word that I'd like to not use um, okay. just so that people don't already have some kind of a, an idea of what they think enabling is. Um, or are okay. you, you like know, being an agent for change with your partner? Are you willing to step in and say, your breath is funky and it's time for you to go to the dentist? I know your breath is not funky because you have great hygiene, but you know, are you willing to offer your partner a mirror and say, this is different and what can we do to make it better? Mm, I was thinking about that exact metaphor earlier, Ugh. like a mirror. Yeah. It's called a mirror. Mirror. It's not a mirror. Mirror yeah, and. Okay. So what are you offering your clients? Like as they bring this into your office, like what are you, what are you suggesting or, or, or proposing as they, they grapple with this? Cause I think it's real. Uh -huh. um, but so what do you, what do you, what do you think? I, well, the first question that I would have is what's keeping you from addressing this uh, with your partner? And what is it? Is it and, I, and I have asked several partnerships what's keeping them. And the one I keep getting is I don't want to hurt their feelings um, or I don't want to embarrass them. It's it's about protection. I'm trying to protect my okay. partner from feeling something that they're probably already feeling. Maybe it's even uh, shame, right? Like uh, they've been depressed. They've been trying to cope. We don't really talk about it. It's that thing that we don't talk about, but they're coping the best way that they know how. 
and I don't want to make them feel any worse. And that's the biggest reason that they are colluding with their partner's yeah. coping mechanisms. Huh. Um, so that's the question that I would ask is like, what are, what's keeping you from helping your partner in a better way? Yeah. That's one question that I have. Yeah. The other, uh, another question I have, I, I think would be too, is like, if your partner has say bad breath, are you telling them about it for you? Or are you telling about about it for them? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, or, as, as the mirror, right? Are you the mirror who is really trying to say, Hey, just so you know, this is what it, this is what it is. This is, yeah. this is the un, unvarnished truth of what you look like. Or are you trying to like, you know, do you have your own agenda in it? Because mm-hmm. I think, I think that's it. And, you know, I'm thinking about Rebecca and I, I don't, it was weird. Cause I don't, I mean, something popped into her head. It's not because I had bad breath or because she's worried about my teeth or something. It's not like I'm bleeding when I floss or something, you know? Right. So she had some desire, I think, to legitimately be of help to me in the way that I think that you're describing. Yeah. That but it's, I don't it's know not that about her, her silence in the months or years prior was collusion in my in my coping mechanism. So that's the thing I'm having a little bit of a hard time mm-hmm. wrapping my head around is how do we, how do you tell the difference, you mm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you uh, how do you participate? Like kind of the way I think about it too is you can't you can't ask somebody to clear a bar that's higher than their own. Okay. So it's sort of like how do you set the bar together? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we care about financial health, or we care about dental health, or we care about sexual health, or we care about um, you know whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, parenting parenting choices. Um, how do you how do you invite them to? And I come back to it's kind of to the thing I always come back to, which is consent. Like, do you have consent yeah. to say? Yeah. And, and maybe it's maybe that's the part that's missing because uh-huh. if I tell him this, he's going to feel ashamed or she's going to feel embarrassed. You know. Yeah. And um, so I guess it has to flow out of a lot of trust, probably. Yeah. And it, I I like that you said consent because we do this in our household. Um, we generally don't talk about each other's bodies uh, unless it's loving and whatever it might be. But I don't have consent to turn to my husband and say, your pants are way too tight, buddy. Uh, You're spilling over. But we have had conversations where where we have said, we are both actively engaging and trying to be healthier and talked about consent. Do Do I have consent to remind you that you probably don't need that second portion? Or do I have consent? So we have specifically asked each other, so if you're listening to this episode, the question that I would pose to your partner is just kind of saying, like, what do you think about, like, the philosophy of our marriage? Do you think it's about us growing uh-huh. together and bettering each other and being able to sometimes have the consent to have hard conversations because we know that the result is it's coming from the kindness of our heart to better uh-huh. the other person? And what I've heard a lot of people enter into this conversation is I want to live a long, healthy life with you. I don't want to outlive you. I don't want to outplay you. I want you by my side. And what that Uh. means is that I might have to have some hard conversations pointing Uh. out where you have been coping with a bad knee or a bad hip or a mole that I would Uh. like for you to get under, under control so that we can do life together. Mm-hmm. But I think the big picture is just sort of saying, like, are we here to point out each other's flaws? No, but are we here to support each other in growing? I think so. Yeah, 
I think it also becomes a question of like, don't I have a responsibility to care for you in that way? Yeah. Like, isn't don't that I have the a, assumption? That, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it has to be, it has to be, I mean, if, if you're talking about people who are kind of been in the grind for a little while and maybe they've relaxed their sense of like how they're trying to, you know, better one another or better themselves, maybe it does call for some kind of renewal, which today is the perfect day to talk about that because are you? Yeah. February is the new January. <laughs> Today's uh, February 1st. And, yeah. I, you know, I think it, it, in my, if you've been listening to the podcast for you, you know, it's a big day for me. It's like my, it's like my New Year's holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, because Something big is going to happen today. I am turning it all over. I took my car in. Yeah. Whoops. Um, no, the whole, my whole life is tur- is changing starting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think you need occasional check-ins, right? Like we use things like New Year's or the holidays or February 1st or whatever it is to reevaluate where we're at. And I think if you're not doing that on a consistent enough basis, it's easy to fall into old patterns. Yeah. Right? It's easy to go, Oh, we're just lapsing and we're doing this, we're doing this thing one more time. And mm-hmm. remember that, remember when we talked about how the idea that um, relationships are functionally on a three year cycle, mm-hmm. like you sort of, so maybe it is like about every three years you need to check in and go, how are we doing against, I mean, it might be three years since I've been to the dentist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how are we doing on our on our shared our shared pursuit of X? Yeah. Health, financial mm-hmm. security, mm-hmm. you know, adventure, whatever it is. Hmm. Cause you gotta find a way to bust your clients out of this question, right? Like yeah. this thing that, that you're facing is, you know, what's the difference between collusion and say criticism? Uh mm-hmm. if I have to choose between either saying nothing or saying something. Right. I think maybe in the middle there's consent to pursue our our shared our shared agenda gently, yeah, our shared agenda. That's a good idea. Of, you know, what is the shared agenda? Where are we going? So, poof. I mean, we kind of dabbled into a topic that branches off into a lot of other areas of growth for relationships. But um, can we do a quick check in on how we're doing so far with our New Year's resolutions? Because I had a few that I had mentioned on the podcast. Yeah. And I just wanted yeah, to give yeah. a little bit of an update. Uh, okay. So I had one was the postcards. Oh my gosh, let me show you. They're right here. So remember okay. how you started this with writing postcards? Yeah. I had postcards made up. Oh my okay. goodness. Do you see that? Are they like actual pictures of your family? Yeah. So right it's a postcard that I had made. Isn't that so yeah. cool? Um, yes. Well, that was my personal address on there. We might blur that out. But I had these <laughs> postcards made. I had 250 of them made. So I'm hopefully going to write a lot of these. Um, and the yeah. goal was to write 112 because I'm splitting my number with a friend. 224 was the number I was going to hit. I have mm-hmm. one postcard so far written and not sent. So that's not going so hot. Who did you write your first postcard to? Mm, she doesn't listen to the podcast, but her name is Sally. And she's a good girlfriend from... Uh, from Utah and I just miss her and her family so much. And it was, I, it's weird. I'm like, what do I share on a postcard that is public yeah. that anybody could read? And, but yeah. the whole idea behind it is that I want to have a personal outreach to people. I don't want to send them a generic, you know, just photograph of my family every Christmas and that's all they get from me. I wanted to actually, you know, write something. So yeah, I don't know. I I'm still it. working on it. Incidentally, when I, in 2011, when I wrote my postcard podcast, uh, podcast when I wrote my postcards my first postcard was to this friend that I was at her house when she was watching that was her? And had a fight 
Oh yeah. my gosh, that's so fun. My I, first postcard was, was to her, Annie, and the second postcard, the last postcard was to Rebecca. Okay. So, so you actually um, did say your friend's name on the podcast. That's fun. I did. Yeah. It's okay. She's all right. <laughs> um, and then the other one is I needed to run, I think it's like a hundred, one thousand one, I have it here, 1,116 miles. Oh, no, to go. So it was like 1,200 miles this year I was going to run. I've ridden, I've run 84 miles so far. So 84 miles in the month of January have been run. Yeah, right on. That's my update. Uh, should cool. we land this plane? Well, did, did you want to ask me how I was doing on my, my resolutions? You don't have any resolutions. I have two, actually. Oh, oh okay, okay. Well, and they're the same. I mean, they're not the same, but yes, they're kind of, I'm kicking them into gear in February. February. One is the thing I said before, which is just like really to be gentle with <laughs> things. And so I'm I'm starting a, th- a version of 30 Soft today um, <laughs> where I'm going to try and, I got 30 days with some bench specific benchmarks I want to help uh, hit around changing some behaviors gently in my life. And then the second one is I want to be a person who does things like, um, uh, <laughs> I've been on this trip since I since I went to South Carolina and I went to that concert with my mom. Yeah. That story and I was like, and people just go out on a Saturday night know, to like a concert in the yeah. park and they yeah. and they do things. Uh-huh. And there's, I would just be at my house maybe doing nothing. Right. And um, and then when I was in D.C. this last weekend, I was we were driving by this little park and I looked over to the left and I was with Annie and she, there was people just sitting there like reading the paper on a Saturday afternoon and I was like, I want to do that. Who does that? Like I so. The other night I was sitting in my bed and I just got home from, not my bed, I was sitting on my couch. I got yeah. home from work. I was cozied up. I was having some dinner and our mutual friend texted me and said, hey, let's go out and get something to eat. And I was like, I do not want to do that. But I was like, but I want to be things. a person who does things. Yeah. So I did. I, I put my pants back on. I put my, my dress pants back on, <laughs> sit in my pajama <laughs> pants and I put my shoes on and I went out and I, and I hung out. And uh, so I have two. One is to be gentle. Yeah. Um, with 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 change in my life. Yeah. And the second one is to to do things. Okay. And maybe that's actually what the heart of what you're trying to talk about right now is if you're going to help your partner change, mm-hmm. you got to be gentle. Um, but if you're going to change, you got to do things. And so there's a like a there's a thing that you need to like prioritize as you try to you know, move the direction of your relationship towards something that feels positive and hopeful. Mm. Are you going to let and us why know? why not start right now? Because January is yeah. a new February. <laughs> and I think you, you still have time to register for the workshop and you still have time to get your escape room. If you live in a big city and go to escapely.com and use our code, I think it's MTR20. You still have time to like initiate new stuff change? because why not? Oh man. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. I just have to go back because you said something that's really important, which is we get really used to, oh, I was taught, I'm running this morning with my girlfriend and um, for some, oh, she said, you know, I've tried to do this thing, but uh, I just, I end up like in the middle of it, I get better. And so then I never actually make that appointment. I was like, man, that's the thing with couples therapy is like, you're in a hard spot, Yeah. but then gradually you start to feel better. And so you never actually make that appointment with the therapist. And so the time, this is like, right, like the time to fix your roof is, is when it's sunny. The time to fix your marriage is not when you're in the the middle of a really hard time. It or when yeah. it's when you're feeling a little bit better, a little more connected, a little more open. Yeah. So yeah. even if you, if your relationship has gone through hard things, but it's not currently, come to the workshop. Like that's a great. Or maybe you you're go. premarital. 
and you're like, man, we're still really in love. So cool. Learn some skills that when you do hit the the rocky part. Those workshops are better when you're in a good spot because you're not trying to fix something. You're trying to optimize something. Yes. Yeah. um, It's like taking your car in for maintenance. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be in the right place. We will actually be there. Uh, so the workshops February 9th and 10th, you can still register on the website. We'll have it open all the way up until probably the day before, which is totally, well, maybe the day, two days before, because I have to get uh, your materials to you. But um, it's $450 for the couple and you get to spend Friday evening and Saturday with us. Um, it's nine full hours of double duty time with Zach and myself. But more importantly, it's time with your partner that you're going to just, you will always remember it. So um, we will land this plane. Cool. And we'll we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio on our website, Marriage Therapy Radio. If you look on, kind of scroll down a little bit on the right-hand side, it says our weekly series or our weekend intensive. The weekend intensive this winter is coming up. It's on February 9th and 10th. February 9th is from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So it's a little bit like a date night where we're going to move you through some fun exercises that are friendship based. And then we'll spend all day Saturday talking about how to communicate better, um, how to navigate conflict and how to grow your relationship stronger in the future. You can register there. It's $450 for both of you to attend, including your workshop materials and nine full hours with Zach and myself. Thanks for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.